Hi everyone, this is Dr. Colleen Meyer from Meyer and Mint LLC, bringing you another episode of Fearless in Pink. You guys, I'm so excited. We have this amazing, amazing woman as our speaker and our guest today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, Christina Flatch. She is the founder and CEO of Pretty Girl Makeup. She is a celebrity makeup artist. You can tell look how beautiful she looks. <laughs> uh, fashion contributor at Soap Digest, Septus Awareness Advocate. So she is the CEO, a makeup guru, a widow, a Septus Awareness Advocate, a fashion commentator, a mom of four living children, and one who had passed. She lives with these titles, but she's defined by one word, you guys, and that's grace. Welcome, Christina, to Fearless in Pink. Tell us, how did you get into the makeup industry? Well, first, thank you for having me. That's so nice. I appreciate it. How did I get into the makeup industry? I liked playing. I, you know, I worked on my friends, my family. I worked on my mom when she had cancer to make her feel better. And it just was one of those things that kind of uh, evolved. I didn't ever expect to be a makeup artist or a CEO of a makeup company. <laughs> it just kind of, you know, step by step, you know, one thing led to the next thing. And, um, it's so interesting how life is. You don't really realize that like this is what your life's passion or goal is going to be, but it actually everything is meant to be. And then I love what I do. I love being a makeup artist. I love having my company. And um, it's it's been a really interesting journey. It's been a lot of fun. Wow. So tell me about uh, when you got into makeup, how did it, how did it happen? Because I know sometimes we're going down these journeys and you know, we kind of stumble onto something. Does that happen to you? Or, or how did you actually get into what was it? How did you become the owner and CEO of this company? Well, I loved makeup. I, you know, it was just fun to play on myself and my friends and family. I really enjoyed transforming people into making them look like the best versions of themselves. I love, and I continue to love doing that. Um, and then I, you know, was a mom of all these kids and I kept, I drink a ton of water and then I'd be putting on lip gloss. It was like, do, do it just. And then I thought I'm going to invent my own lip gloss. There's gotta mm. be one that can be like lacquer that just stays <laughs> on my lips. Right. And right. so I just, I, I worked, I, at that point I was a makeup artist and I worked with a chemist you know, that formulates makeup products. And I, you know, wanted natural oils. I wanted it to be anti-aging. I wanted it to be hydrating, moisturizing, but I really wanted it to be long lasting because mm. it was so annoying to me to be constantly putting on lip gloss and it wouldn't, you know, would come off. So anyway, I did. And it took um, considerably longer than I anticipated. I thought it was going to take like a couple weeks and I'd be in stores and <laughs> definitely longer, but, um, it took about a year actually to formulate the lip gloss and the lip plumper. It, um, you know, you meet with the, with the, you know, the scientists that formulates the product and you tell them, you know, if there's any ingredients that you want in it, you know, certain things that you want to have happen to it. And so, and then they send you back samples and it goes back and forth and back and forth because, you know, you try it on yourself, you try it on your friends and you have to send back notes and then they send back more. So that went on for almost a year, actually over a year by the time we formulated the, you know, the texture and then the colors. Um, I have been self-funded all these years up until this coming year. I have investors coming in and I have a new business partner 
I'm very excited. Jordan Black's my partner. I love him. Um, and, you know, so I wanted all the, I have friends and family that are all different shades of the rainbow. And I wanted, you know, my products to look good on everybody. So it took a while to formulate the colors. Um, and once I did, and I wanted them to be just right to be on every skin tone, that's when we finally launched in 1999. It was a long, long time ago. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. How did you come up with the name Pretty Girl Makeup? Well, I was on vacation with some of my family and friends in Hawaii. And I had this really funny German friend, Claudia. And she said, we were like, our kids had finally gotten to the age where they could be in the pool without us being in there with them. And we were reading our magazines and gossiping and, you know, drinking Mai Tais and iced tea. I don't remember, but uh, my friend said, honey, look, we're, we're pretty girls we're not mommies for a minute. And I thought that was the funniest thing just because being a mom, you don't feel pretty all the time. You're tired, you're beaten up. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, how great I was always inspired by the women, Jane and Jean that created um, benefit cosmetics with all the whimsical names and colors and great packaging. And I thought what girl, every girl wants to be a pretty girl. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, that, I just said, oh, you know what, I'm going to go run and call my lawyer and trademark the name. And, um, and that's how it started. I love that, you know, because it's, it's, you're it's absolutely right. Everybody wants to be a pretty, all women want to be a pretty girl. Right. That's, and I like that. <laughs> a minute in the day. And I also <laughs> thought, you know, as a mom, you know, we're driving, we're carpooling, we're doing all these things and we're tired. And if I can make someone laugh for literally three seconds by putting on the lip gloss and looking at a funny name that makes them smile, like that's fantastic. It's, you know, I'm not um, curing cancer here. I'm making lip gloss. And so mm -hmm. if I can make people laugh and smile and look beautiful, then I feel really good about myself. <laughs> and I like that you said it's long wearing because, you know, you have women in the in the in business, you have women that are running around with kids, and they could put it on, put the lip, lip gloss on, and they look good. It doesn't go away. You don't have to keep stopping in. Right. That's true. I think that's, I think that's important because I don't like to stop and have to keep doing stuff. Oh, you know, you're in the meeting. You want to go into the meeting, and you want the stuff to stay on for the entire meeting, or you're, you know, you're helping in the classroom or whatever it is you're doing. You don't want to have to keep, you know, plopping on the lip gloss. So, <laughs> yes. So let's I, talk I'm sorry. Um, let's talk. You're an advocate. So let's talk about that. So you're a CEO, a woman business owner, making it happen, celebrity makeup artist, and then you a mother. Now you take the time over here to also be an advocate. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I'm a sepsis awareness advocate um, because my I was married to Ken Flack. He was the former number one tennis player in the world in doubles in the 80s and 90s with his partner, Rob Seguso. And um, my husband got ill um, and got bronchitis and it turned into pneumonia. And we called his doctors and he wasn't seen and he was misdiagnosed and he got sepsis. And so um, in seps he, my husband passed away in March of 2018 from sepsis. And so after he passed, um, the Sepsis Alliance had contacted me and asked if I'd be willing to speak, you know, use my husband's name and likeness and, and use his celebrity to, <clears throat> pardon me, to raise awareness for others so that they don't get sepsis. Because 
sepsis, a quarter of a million people die a year from sepsis. Yeah, the numbers are astounding. And most people don't even know what it is. They've never heard of it. Ken and I had never heard of it until, you know, he contracted sepsis. So um, it's an infection of the blood and it attacks all your vital organs. So, you know, it can be from a cut finger or, you know, something that, you know, a toothache, you know, that's infected or like in my husband's case, the, the bronchitis that turned to pneumonia was turned into a blood infection. Uh, he, when, just so you know how fast this um, can happen, he, we spoke with the doctor Wednesday. On Thursday morning, he was admitted to the emergency and put on life support. By Monday, all his organs had shut down. His hands and legs turned black. And they told me they were going to have to amputate if, if he survived, which he wasn't going to, sadly. Um, I just knew it was time to take him off life support because I couldn't subject him and our children to, to this any longer. And so, you know, there's, if, if your listeners go to sepsis.org, there's a page, you know, there's all kinds of information about sepsis, but there's also a timetable that says time and T is for temperature. You can be either incredibly hot or incredibly cold. I is for an infection in some form of your body. M is for mental decline. You're kind of hard to rouse. It's starting to affect your, your, faculties and e is for excruciating pain you feel like you're dying because you are it's attacking your organs so if people are made aware of this they can get to an emergency get a blood test that takes about 20 minutes to see if they're septic and if they are they got in they get on an um, iv antibiotic and and they should survive i mean it, you can absolutely survive but there is definitely a golden window of time that needs to be you have to treat it. There's not a, you know, everyone goes, Oh, excuse me here, jumping up in my chair. Um, everyone will always say, Oh, I'll go to the doctor in the morning. Mm -hmm. Well, with sepsis, there are no tomorrows. You need to go immediately. And you really need to listen to your body. Like, you know, when you have a a normal cold, how you feel, Mm -hmm. well, this isn't your normal. So you really need to just kind of be aware of your body and what it's telling you. So, you know, you don't get an outcome like we had. You know, I, I believe that 100% about you have to listen to your body. I had a brother that was actually having a heart attack and he went to the doctors and they're like, no, you're fine. You're fine. And he's like, no, I'm having a heart attack because, you know, they took his blood pressure and all that and it was fine. But when they hooked him up to the machines, they're like, oh my God, you're having a heart attack. But, you know, people need to listen to what their bodies are telling them. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting, you know, that Ken and I, like we respect, you know, the doctors so much, everyone in the medical field. And so rarely does one question a doctor. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, you don't want to, you're not going to offend them. You just really have to be like saying, no, my body is telling me this. And, you know, you need to understand that this isn't my normal. I know my normal. And so if people can do that, I think a lot more lives will be saved, which I hope for everyone. I don't want anyone to lose their loved one the way we have. Yeah. Wow. Because I think that's something that people don't think about and it's, it's easy to miss. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Wow. All the stuff that you have going on, um, how do you balance your mom and your volunteer work and your company how does christine find that balance (laughs) how does christina find that balance i don't know if i have but i try (laughs) 
you know, I just try to be organized. I have an amazing assistant that keeps me like, okay, go do this. Um, but I just try to have balance. You know, I work out every day. Mm. I try to take time for a little meditation, even if it's 10 minutes, you know, I, I just really try and organize my time well. And, you know, I, I never think I get enough done and I've really learned to not beat myself up at the end of the day. Instead of thinking of all the things I didn't do, I think of the million things I did do. And so that I've kind of learned to, I'm a lot, I try to be, a friend of mine taught me something, my friend Diana, she said, you know, I wish you would treat you the way you treat everybody else. And I thought, wow, that's so true. I would, mm-hmm. I'm never like as harsh on everyone as I am on myself. So that was some good advice my friend Diana told me. I think that's great advice. And Diana needs to come on Fearless and Pink and tell the audience Good. that. She's the CEO as well. She is the CEO of Truth Bar. And oh, she's I... a celebrity chef. I will definitely have her come on your show. Oh my gosh, yes. You have to hook me up with her information Absolutely. because we do that as women. It's crazy. And that's it's... why, you know, we get like, you know, overwhelmed. Yes. And, you know, even taking a few minutes, like, you know, today's been really crazy. My house is, has sold. I, I moved in a new place. I got, I have all these things going on. And I really, my, my partner, Jordan goes, can you just sit for 10 seconds and take three breaths? And I'm like, Oh yeah, that does help. We I hold really our like breath that. a lot when we speak. I don't, you know, like I, I notice that sometimes I'm just like, holding my breath. And I, I noticed that in photo shoots, like I'll be, I'll have like someone in front of the camera. I'm like, take a breath. And you look so much better just because we hold our breath. Yeah, we do. Let's talk. Yeah. Let's step, let's step back now. Let's go back. And okay, it's, um, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're going to go maybe to the very uh, beginning of your business. Looking back on it, what would you have done differently? I would definitely have gotten investors. I would have gotten a partner like I have Jordan, but I need, but I have Jordan now. So, but I I wish I had had a Jordan back then um, that could take away, you know, that could deal with the business aspect of it and let me do what I'm good at. I'm good at creating. I'm good at, you know, doing the, the artistic part because it's, you know, I think being a good CEO is really getting a team together that can become a really power team. You can't, you know, it's, I, I know a lot of CEOs have a hard time um, delegating um, and not, and having their hands in everything. And I think it's really important to let the experts of social media or marketing or, you know, everything else, you know, the finances, let them do that. Because if, you know, it took a lot off my shoulders, really realizing my strengths and my weaknesses. And it doesn't mean you have weaknesses. It's a strength realizing, you know, that someone else is actually better at it and let them do it. And you focus on what you actually enjoy doing instead of struggling with these things that just aren't coming as naturally as they do to someone else. You know, we work with a lot of startups and that's exactly what we tell them. You know, you get an attorney, get an accountant, you know, it, it's, it's um, getting a marketer. It's these people that are specialized in their fields and they're going to make your journey a lot easier going forward for sure. Yeah. And they're going to stop you from making mistakes. I think like an accountant or a finance person, they're going to be like, hold off. 
you know, and they're going to stop you from making mistakes that can either set you back in time to get to get your launch, or it's you're going to be stumbling because you you inadvertently made a mistake. Hundred percent. Yeah, we can't. We're not. You know, as superhuman as we like to think we are. Mm-hmm. There's little details that slip and then they turn into being like big problems later on. These tiny little details like, oh gosh, I didn't sign that. Or, oh, I didn't know I needed to do that. And so I think, you know, the, when you finally realize that there's, you have help. And you know, another thing that I, uh, asking people for help, I think is a really good thing. I have found, you know, one of the mm-hmm. things that, you know, being a makeup artist, because I kind of have two different things. There's the CEO and then there's being a makeup artist. The blessing of being a a makeup artist is that I get CEOs in my chair all the time and other entrepreneurs. And, you know, they are, everyone is always so happy and willing to give advice or ideas. Um, And it's so great. I mean, people have called and emailed me with questions and advice, and I am thrilled to be able to help someone else. You know, I think it's a real blessing to give, you know, some experience to someone else that's starting something. I think it's, you know, wonderful. It is wonderful. And I think it, it, if we're confident in our, our role, we're confident in our product. Um, there's nothing wrong with helping another person. I think some women and men feel that when they're doing that, that it's going to take something away from them and their business. And, and I never really quite understood that. How is that? How is that your competition? Or how is, you know, this person's asking for help? And it's in, in, you know, um, John Maxwell in one of his books says that even Billy Graham had a Sunday school teacher. That's true. That's Mm -hmm. true. You know, I really feel like energetically, morally, it's the right thing to do. If someone needs help, you should help them. Like, why would you not? You know? And it's kind of like, I've told my kids this, like when my husband passed away, like, you know, you don't get to be Ken Flack's child or wife just when you're getting, you know, free tickets to Wimbledon and going to a concert or something, you need to use that for, you know, to help others using his name to help others, not just to, you know, profit or benefit. You know, I I really feel strongly about that. I think it's important to give back. And, you know, um, all my kids, there's a school in Oakland called the Northern Light School that I have started, um, I've been for years, probably, oh my gosh, 15 years or more. I have been um, involved with raising money for the school. And then when my son Bo passed away, I started uh, the Baby Bo Fund. And then Ken would play every year in a celebrity golf tournament that Vita Blue puts on with the Raiders, the A's, the Warriors, the Giants, all the different athletes and business people in the Bay Area raise money for the school uh, because the school, it's a private school for minority children. And it's and it functions on you know rate, grants and donations. And so this golf tournament in particular is something that raises a ton of money to keep the school you know so amazing. They have a ninety eight percent success rate of kids going on to college. That's higher oh, than most public schools. That's and amazing. Amazing. So um, Ken had played in this, and then my son. Uh, my son, Bo, that passed away, has a twin, Ben, and he has been playing. He's a golfer. My three of my kids are were competitive golfers and two of my sons are trying to turn pro. So they uh, would raise money for the school. And last year, my son, Ben, who at the time was 13, 
um, raised $35,000 in a day playing golf. Um, and for his twin and his dad's, uh, foundations, educational foundation. And I said to him, Ben, I'm so proud of you. You're just like my hero. And he said, mom, I'm golf today. Who cares? I missed school and I golfed. And I go, no, you didn't. I go, you did. Yes. But you raised enough money for three children to go to private school for a year. I mean, that changes communities, families. It starts changing the world. And it's a huge deal. And I, and I really feel proud that my kids, you know, give back. You know, I think it's super important. Um, sorry about that. I've got all kinds of things going on here. But I think it's really important. And I think it makes them feel good about themselves um, to help other people. And to start it at a young age, you know, doing, you know, charity and philanthropic work, I think it's fantastic. And I am really proud of that, of, of my kids. That is absolutely amazing amazing and you know what it gives a testament to your parenting as he says oh I'm just golfing I'm missing school and the humble heart he has such a humble heart oh my gosh such a he's such an extraordinary little human um he's not such a little human he's like six two now and he's gonna be 15 but um (laughs) he is and I am very proud of him it's hard for him you know he lost his twin and his daddy you know he has a biological father obviously but he and Ken were like this and it's you know he was blessed to have two dads and that adored him so but it's hard you know for for someone so young to have lost you know two big people in their life you know I know that you do you you um you use your story to inspire other people like you're inspiring me you're inspiring Paul I know you're going to inspire our listeners uh how did you now let's go into the home. How did you help your kids pass some of that, um, those heartaches? How, how, what did you, did you do anything specific to help your kids through when the, um, when these type of things happened in your family? I think, you know, I think when I lost Bo, it was the hardest and not that it was, I mean, losing Ken was horrible and it's like, you know, my heart is obliterated, but when I lost my son, Bo, I was a bit lost for a little while. I started taking pills. I mean, I was taking these pain pills to numb myself. I mean, it only lasted a month, but, um, and then my friends came in and went, okay, you're not a pill popper, like enough. And I'm, because I have these kids and I was, you know, married and I had to, if I'm a mess, they're going to fall apart. So the best thing I started doing was just getting back on my normal track of working out, going to yoga, you know, trying to just be, you know, eat healthy, doing my green juice, you know, like just being my normal self. And, you know, the, my daughter Rose told me not too long ago that like lectures, my lectures on drugs and alcohol were really dumb because she's like, mom, your example was so much better than your lectures. And I thought, Oh my God, I thought after all these kids, I thought they were like award-winning, but it really is interesting that they really watch everything you do. So I think the example I set. And so when Ken passed 10 years later, I at least knew that I really had to keep it together because I was so brokenhearted and it was so, I, I mean, to lose my husband and my best friend literally in three days, four days is like, 
I knew I had to be extra disciplined to keep it together because I knew this was going to, if I didn't, I was going to go over the edge and there would be no turning back. So I started exercising like twice a day, praying, meditating, just being super disciplined. And that kind of just helped ease some of the initial pain. And I've kind of learned, it's so interesting. So, you know, speaking about raising awareness and being an advocate kind of has segued into how I deal with grief, which is so interesting because I certainly never thought I would be a grief expert, but some people seem to think I am. Um, I was on the doctor channel on Sirius radio one day and I was waiting like in the green room on zoom and I heard her, the doctor speaking about me saying like, oh, we have this amazing, you know, guest on today. She's a celebrity makeup artist and CEO, and she's had the most tragic life. And I'm like, who the hell is she talking about? You know? And she was talking about me. So when she came, when, when she brought me on, I said, wow, is that how you see my life? It's tragic. She's like, well, yeah. And don't you? And I'm like, no, like, I've had tragedies, you know, my, my mother died, my son, my husband, my business, my other business partner. Like, yes, I've had some terrible things happen, but I have had a billion miracles and blessings happen. So I don't see myself as tragic in the least. Um, I certainly don't want anyone to think that of me or my life. I, that, that really shocked me. So anyway, I was on a hike one day. And I sometimes have these conversations in my head with my husband and I could hear him telling me like, it is really hard watching you, you know, so sad and crying at night and I can't comfort you. And I thought about that and I thought, wow, how would I feel looking down on him or my kids or my friends if I couldn't comfort them? So I kind of just started, I thought it was important to, you can honor your loved one in a positive way, like with, with the, you know, educational foundations, I'm really into nutrition. So my friend, Lisa Zimmer and I, she was a principal at uh, the Edna McGuire school in Mill Valley. We started this garden at the school that was there, but it needed a ton of money and effort. And then they made an outdoor classroom and they named it after my son, Bo. And to me, it's so great to get children from a young age, like in kindergarten, first grade, to start planting vegetables and picking them and eating them and making food. And this outdoor classroom means everything to me because to make, you know, to teach kids by example of gardening and, and make and cooking at a young age, that will be in their life forever. And so I just feel like, you know, it's important for me. I mean, everyone deals with grief differently. I definitely learned that. I went to grief camp at Canyon Ranch for a weekend. Um, my friend Eva took me and I thought we were going to go get massages and relax. And no, no, there was none of that. <laughs> there was grief classes and, oh, and dealing with grief is really hard. I mean, it, it's not easy and it's always going to be there unless you deal with it. And so mm-hmm. I just felt like I need, because of my kids and my life, I, I want to be happy. I can still miss him and Mm -hmm. my son, but I can honor them and do things that are positive for the world, which inevitably makes me happy. You know, when you were talking about all this experiences you're having your son and your husband, I was thinking this is a strong, smart 
dedicated woman. And when you said that, you know, she said, the, the woman introduced you as tragic. I did not see that. I see strength. And one of the, we call our podcast Fearless and Pinky. You know, my daughter's a feminist and she's like, ah, you know. Of and course. I know how our daughters are like, <laughs> but you know what? But it's about women. We can, we, we can be fearless and strong and yet female. Yes. We don't have to be male-ish to be yeah. fearless. And I think you are amazing. Just oh, you know, thank you. Oh, that's so kind. Really. You know, you're 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 a positive light. You absolutely oh, are a positive light. Thank you. I try to be so my my listeners are probably gonna want to get a hold of you or try out your makeup. Sure. So I know we're gonna put all this information on Facebook and YouTube and, and on the podcast actual podcast, but do you wanna tell them? you know, right now on how they can get a hold of you. Do you have a website? What does that look like? We do. So there's prettygirlmakeup.com to order our products. And then there's christinaflack.com if you want to see my portfolio or hire me, photo shoots. I do a lot, you know, I do a lot of TV. I do fashion. Um, I work with the Food Network, Fox. I do TV. Um, I love it. Super fun. Um, And then Instagram, uh, it's at pretty girl MKUP and um, at Christina Flack makeup. And yeah. And like- do, you, do you want to share about how they can get a hold of your foundation that you have? Yes. So at the Northern Light School in Oakland, um, they can, there's a website there and you can, there's a little donation link there. And then the Edna McGuire School in Mill Valley, the baby, it's uh, the Bo Friedman um, outdoor classroom. Oh my God. Thank you so much for coming on. We, we appreciate it. Christina, thank you. Thank you.